welcome into the 37th episode of the Promo Guy podcast. Now brought to you by Better Odds, a new odds shopping platform that is coming soon. I am happy to uh, let you guys know that we have a special episode today because it is co-host Nick from Blue Duck Media's birthday. Nick, happy birthday. Thank you, my friend. Uh, it's the big 3-0. I can't say I'm too excited about being 30, but... Um, it's uh, it's been a fun birthday. I'm excited to spend some you, of it with you. Okay, so it's ten thirty a.m. No, Uh correct. What have you done so far? That's been fun. Tell me. I have done almost nothing. I've taken a morning walk with my girlfriend. I have uh, sat down and answered some emails, and then prepped for this. Um, but had dinner with some friends last night. Tonight doing dinner at home with my girlfriend and then this weekend uh taking a ski trip so we've got a oh awesome yeah i've got some fun birthday stuff planned that is a fun birthday what's the weather like in la right now so i can be jealous it is way warmer than it is in new york but it's our our version of cold so what is that like 55 or something yeah it's more or less which is it sucks no it's a chilly walk that's a chilly walk it sucks being born a born new yorker growing up in actual cold weather, walking out in 55 and being like, oh my God, this is freezing. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Cool. Well, happy birthday to you. Uh, that all sounds amazing. And the Knicks but are on a five-game winning streak. I think that's the the, the number one gift I've gotten so far. So uh, happy for the – I'm not even going <laughs> to take the victory lap now. I'll wait till next week when it's a eight-game winning streak and I have a little bit more to talk about. But for now, should we jump into the state of the stack? Let's do it. Uh, so it was a good week this week. We were up about $325 on Twitter. Uh, we've had a good week in the Discord as well. So everything is really humming. Um, I would say that fo- this previous football Sunday was probably the high of the week, especially in the Discord. Just hitting some of the MGM and Bet Rivers. And um, I think we had an ESPN hit in there as well. Twitter, the big hit was. The larger free bet that we got from the parlay insurance, it was a plus 695. But FanDuel Boost had a nice week as well. And so that's pretty much the state of the stack. We don't have too much for the gambling landscape update unless I'm forgetting anything. Uh, oh, I was going to say that we were looking forward to having uh, Bo Wagner and Jeff Benson on the this episode of the podcast. They had a bit of a, I don't know, feuds the right word online on Twitter. Yeah, I saw you chimed in a little bit and offered our platform as a place where they can both kind of offer their opinions. Um, I don't think we have it this week. Do you think that's going to be something that they're going to end up next week? Are we going to be hosting a live gambling Twitter debate? You know what? I thought they would say yes. I thought that I was the – so Jeff Benson, for people who don't know, is – I don't know his exact role at Circa, but to me, he's a bit of the face of Circa and does a lot of social media stuff for them and – and, um, you know, helps with customer acquisition, but also customer support, you know, experience. And he's often the one communicating different opportunities that Circo is bringing. And he's pretty loud about how Circo is the right way to gamble, how, how sports betting should be. And then he responded to Bo Wagner, who people probably heard on last week's episode, uh, or just know on Twitter. He's a, a Twitter handicapper. He has a Discord been featured on Washington Post, ESPN. And I, th- I think a lot of his, what he's known for, other than being kind of, a, you know, a, a, 
a larger mouth. I, I don't know how to say it. like like you know he's a he's a big figure on Twitter. He kind of puffs out his chest. He bets very large amounts on his plays and he posts those. Uh, and they kind of got in an argument about Bo's statement that people don't get limited on FanDuel and FanDuel's the best. And Jeff was kind of trying to say that people do get limited and Circa is really the one place that is how sports betting should be and that doesn't limit. So I thought that they would want to do it because I'm pretty neutral on this. Jeff seems very open to it. He said that he's available next week, anytime. Bo has been silent. Since I came forward, I, it got a ton of likes, my message just saying, hey, I'm happy to moderate this debate because they said they wanted a podcast to do it. I felt like I was the perfect, I feel like I'm the perfect neutral candidate. I'm probably harsher on Circa than most. And I think that Bo probably thinks that I lean that way because the EV community leans that way. And look, Bo doesn't have a ton of people that love him on Twitter. I'm not going to go out and say that I am one of the people that do, but I've known him since he started, since we both started our accounts. and. You know, like we have each other's numbers and stuff. Like, we, you know, we have a, a reason. I have a reasonable background on Bo and, and, and kind of know him and would try and give him a, you know, a fair shot. So I thought it would happen. I know I got a bunch of DMs like, oh, that'd be so cool if they did that. Like, I'd love to, to have Jeff and Bo on and to have me moderate. But we'll see. It seems like Bo's not that up for it, unfortunately. Um, well, I do think it'd be fun to have you be a very impartial host, uh, see you a bit in more in my role as the, the narrator of the conversation. Um, so fingers crossed that that happens next week. Yeah. But, uh, for now, I think we can keep going to the big thought. We've got a good one today before we move in this show a little later to topics looking forward to 2024, I kind of want to take a look back at 2023. So I know you published an article this week about looking at your full 2023 betting results. And I kind of want you to break that down a little bit for us here. Yeah. So that article, it, it was up on my, it's still up on my Twitter. Uh, it's on Pickett's website and you should definitely check it out if you missed it. But I will kind of go into the highlights here and give sort of my thoughts and then try and project forward. So first thing that jumps out, net profits. So on this is all on Twitter. There's a lot more money to be made in the Discord. Like I've said, we had a very good year there, but this is all on Twitter. So all you had to do was, you know, see the tweet or if you're in the Discord, see my Discord post ahead of the tweet, put in the play. I, I track everything at the minimum max just a couple books, DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars. And, you know, even on all these $5 bets and $10 bets and $20 bets, we still were able to amass $7,980. So $20 away from $8,000 in profits on 2023. Uh, it's all up on the spreadsheet. That is the reply to the tweet. So the headline is, that's great. Uh, I, you know, this account has always been about sort of a, an easy way, a fun way where you don't have to put down an outrageous amount and you can just make some small bets, enjoy and churn out profits. $8,000 certainly fits into that. I will say that you can actually make it. So the step up parlays, which were widely available on DraftKings, ROI guy does them for me in the Discord. He made $2,347 on an average bet size of $12. Sometimes the minimum max was 20 or 10, whatever. So the average was 12. So that lets you know it was largely $10 bets. 
he made $2,347 for the group. And then a limited Dinger Tuesday FanDuel account, which was also widely available. Some people had unlimited and made a lot more following my picks, but a limited one made $1,000 and $1,054. So if you add all that up, that's about $11,400 just on the widely available stuff on DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars. Caesars was the least notable, profitable, whatever, uh, of the three, making $998. DraftKings, without including the step-up, so of the $8,000, was $3,000, $3,044, and FanDuel was $3,937. So FanDuel comes in as our most profitable book. It's about tied, or DraftKings wins by a little bit if you include the step-ups in Dinger Tuesday. But a very successful year. For context, 2022, we made about $10,000. So it was a little bit less profitable, obviously. Uh, I would say that a lot of that is probably due to FanDuel moving their, their, their boost max from 50 to 20. I'd have to look at what the by book profits were, but you know, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to sit around and deny that. Especially Fanduel took a step back in promos, but for everyone that says that said it was the end of the world and that EV betting was done, that also was you know it was a, it was a small step back, which is what I've been kind of saying all year, and the numbers now back that up. So that was the first takeaway. So eight thousand dollars. Fanduel was the most profitable, but kind of tied with DraftKings, depending on how you look at it. Caesars was a distant third. They're kind of lucky to st still be in the conversation. Uh, I only do those three because they're in basically every state, and they seem to be the most okay, you know, okay or even happy with me tweeting out their their promos and boosts. So, you know, in the past, I've I had done other books like Barstool, um, MGM, BetRivers, but they just would shut everything down the minute I tweeted and. I only want to be a positive impact to the EV community. So I, I stopped tweeting those. Those are done in my Discord where they, they last a lot longer. And it was a you know a very profitable year on all those books uh, as well. Bet365, I know that like, I made thousands of dollars there for, for people in the Discord. But I do those separately just because you know I, I want to do on Twitter. Like I've always done the, the widely available stuff, stuff that books that are big enough to handle, um, you know, my followers and stuff. Cool. So if we dive in a little deeper, I would say that how did FanDuel end up taking the crown or whatever? Uh, it was their boost. FanDuel's really never been a huge promo book. Uh, and I would say that they, that sort of continued. Obviously, some of the parlay insurances, March Madness, World Cup in the past, uh, a few of the like the NFL wildcard weekend one or like Thanksgiving one. They, it's not like they don't do promos. And then there's obviously Dinger Tuesday, which isn't included here. So they obviously do promos, but to me, they've always been about the boost. And I actually felt like they took a step up in the promo world, just giving us all those PPTs. Um, so boost made this year $3,000, $3,041 on FanDuel. So that was, you know, about 75%. 76%, 77%, like that, of FanDuel's profits came from their boosts. And it was about as profitable as, you know, DraftKings was in total. So that's definitely been the king. And we'll see how that holds up because the first half of the year were $50 maxes and then it kind of moved to 20. 
So we'll see if that breakdown holds up. I will say profitability overall wasn't any higher in the first half of the year than the second half. So I think a lot of that was made up with, I felt like uh, DraftKings took a step forward. Caesars took a step forward in, in sort of the second half of the year. We'll see how that you know, holds up as well, right? So, so the big takeaway is FanDuel boosts were king. DraftKings, like the, the free bets and stuff like that were, were consistently very profitable and that, that sort of carried DraftKings. If we go into the top three months of the year, April was first at $1,800, March was second at $1,500. So that was in like the March Madness time. And then November was third. So like I said, the, the back half of the year still had some solid months and you know, held up just as well as the first half. November with uh, $1,037. The best part I felt about this year was it was very low variance. Worst month was negative $258, and that was January. So it barely counts this year. No, no month was better than $1,800. Last year, we had a lot more variance, which really I, I attribute to there were higher maxes last year, but less promos. So when you have, let's, let's say the EV was the same. If you have higher maxes at lower EV and less plays, the variance is going to be a lot higher because you know hitting that $50 plus 600 versus missing it is a much bigger difference. Whereas this year, we kind of, you, you get $10 maxes, but a higher sample size. A lot, of, a lot more of them were insured, kind of higher EV. So we, we really chugged along this year relative to last year. Last year, we had several months that were, you know, if you think about it, so, you know, January last year was 20, almost $2,700. Uh, and then there, were a few, there was another month that got over uh, $3,000 last year, right? So, so four similar profits we saw, and then there was a month that was down 600 something last year. So four similar profits we saw much higher highs and, and lower lows, where this month we just kept churning out $600 months. Uh, and I, I prefer it that way. You know, if the profits are equal, uh, I think that most people would prefer to have it be more of a steady stream rather than high highs and low lows, um, where it's tough to stay consistent with your unit size. It's, it's tough to sort of handle the downswings where, where this month, this year, we, we never really had any of those downswings. Even intra-month, I felt, it, it just felt lower variance here. So th that, those were kind of the big takeaways from me looking through it and writing up the article. You can still check it on Pickett. But uh, that's the yeah, big I doubt too many. I, I doubt too many people would disagree with you that the consistent cash flow tends to be better than the roller coaster experience. And from... Since we've been working together, I think it's probably around nine months now. It has seemed like a consistent flow the entire way. So it's been fun to be a, a small part of that journey. Yeah. I mean, even just looking at the notepads recently, like we've only had one negative one since 11.9. I'd have to check that, but I'm just sort of scrolling through my notes and it's just, it's just basically all positive. Um, and this month, you know, is off to a really nice start. Like I said, $325 through nine days. So it really is, in my opinion, all of these no sweats, these parlay insurances. I mean, how many days have we had where, where we're just sort of bailed out by the free bets, right? I mean, I think we've seen it a lot where the day's been kind of whatever, but you walk into a, a given Sunday in such an advantage where you have, you know, several $20 free bets to work with, or, or even, you know, five $5 free bets that are settling today. 
Uh, and I think that that really has helped us stay consistently positive. It's a lot harder to go negative when the promos are a lot higher EV. The boosts aren't higher EV, but you know, having the no sweats, the parlay insurances, uh, the gifts we've always had, but they come to mind because there is one today. Just a lot of our plays are higher EV than they were before and at lower maxes, so it really lowers the variance. And honestly, I felt I feel like that's really been true of the Discord as well. Uh, MGM is probably the one place that doesn't have like the crazy high EV stuff, but every Sunday we've got all these 50% SGP boosts. Like those are awesome. And they're and the MGM quantity is so high, even if the again the maxes are low. Bet Rivers doing this parlay insurance like every day. I mean, we've been doing really well on that. And a lot of that's just like yesterday we hit a free bet for uh, I think it was plus 474 like <laughs> that that makes you back you know five days of five plays of losing and the plays have gone you know decently well themselves but my whole point is like when you, when you have all these free bets it just wipes out a bunch of losses and you can just worry about profits so we've done really well with the bet rivers too and espn it's it's a ton of insured bets first goal scorer first touchdown Parlay insurance, just getting all these free bets back is so big. And I think that that's really been a large part of our, obviously, Dinger Tuesday as well, like a large part of our success is just getting all these free bets and, you know, hitting them at, at really high conversion rates. Like our Dinger Tuesday free bet conversion rate, I think, was like 96%, something like that. I think that's sort of where we generally live. Uh, I know I always, I mean, I used to track it at 50% just to be crazy conservative and you know for a lot of math purposes i do 70 percent. but if you're really doing it right you you can get them up into into the 80s and 90s and i think that's been a large part of our success love it i, I definitely think hopefully that continues in the new year and uh, the emergence of espn bet and the competition between all these platforms leads to everyone continuing to have to offer all the boosts promos and mo most importantly free bets <laughs> i hope um, so yeah so <laughs> here's to keeping it rolling in 2024 and we'll take a quick break and we'll be back we've got the wheel of sports and uh and some fun grinds my gears, gears this yeah. week all right let's do it we'll be right back Welcome back in. We are going right into the wheel of sports. It's time to give it a spin and see what we are discussing today. Our options today are a 2024 look ahead for college football, which NBA teams have been missed most disappointing so far this season, who are the best coaches looking for jobs, both in the NFL and college football, who should be the first pick in the NFL draft, and what is TPG's real name? Here we go. Let's see what we find out. Looks like we're talking NFL coaching, TPG. Let's go, go through a few of the best available coaches and maybe a few of the positions that have already opened up in the NFL and see where, if you don't have any thoughts, don't worry about it. I feel like this is the week where everyone in sports media has a hot take about Bill Belichick conspiracy theories going to end up coaching the Jets. So who do you think, where do you think Bill Belichick ends up landing if he doesn't stay with the Patriots this offseason? Well, first I'll tell you, I've heard enough conspiracy theories between the whole Epstein stuff, the Rogers-Kimmel feud, the Hasidic Jews 
you know, underground. It's it's been quite the aliens in in Miami. It's been quite the start to 2024 for memes and conspiracy theories and you know the the whole thing uh so it's definitely been a fun start if you can call it that yeah no joke so let's talk coaches so rabel's been fired i think most people view him as a really positive option uh as a coach and i actually think that Vrabel is one of these guys who and i could totally like i might just not watch enough but in, in the times i've watched where he gets his guys up they play like a physical brand of football, like an ex-player, you know, played under Belichick, like the whole thing, like tough guy thing. But he's pretty analytical. You know, he kind of goes for it at the right time. And I was really impressed. I remember uh, the Dolphins game when they went for two uh, down by eight late in that game. Like stuff like that. So I think that people like him for good reason. And he'll be on the market. Obviously, if Belichick gets fired, the pairing to New England makes a lot of sense. You know, he you get like sort of a, a younger version, fresh blood, but it's also not going to be a huge culture shock for the coach as well as the players going from Belichick to Vrabel. So I think that one probably makes the most sense if Belichick moves on. If he does... I'll jump in and yeah, say I think it's completely crazy that the Titans moved on from him. This was not a Titans team that had got that the Titans oh, moved yeah, on yeah. from Vrabel. This was not a Titans team that had gone a long stretch without making the playoffs or a team that had consistently been underperforming. This was a team that was like one interception away from beating the Bengals and going to the Super Bowl about a year ago, I think, maybe two years ago. I, I just, I can't believe that, that he has one down year and they let him go. It's pretty clear throughout like the last 20 years of football that good coaches are not that easy to find. It'd be like if the, when the Steelers only get eight wins, they let go of Tomlin. It, it, just because they didn't give him a lot to work with this year, and he has to deal with, I think, I think they came into the year with Malik Willis maybe being their starting quarterback. Like yeah, he, I think I think he the did Malik as well Willis as he could, pick, and he never lost. I think the Malik Willis pick really hurt Brable's sort of time there. I mean, Tannehill, it was decent. And now he's a little older, and he was just never that good, in my opinion. And but they but they were more than competitive with him. Then they, they yeah, it just seems like a silly. Then they started looking where, towards like, the future, and Malik Willis is just really bad. But I, Will Levis is good. Maybe they think that they kind of want to build around him, and Rabel's not really uh, as quarterback friendly as whoever yeah, they're going for. Yeah, we'll see for, what coach they bring in and see if he can hold the I, candle to Vrabel. I, but I, I, I'm with you. I'm just, I, I do think that it's probably a move for Will Levis is my guess. So if you have Vrabel being a good culture fit in New England and a possible fit there, where do you think Belichick lands? Well, I think he'd get to go wherever he wants, assuming he wants to keep coaching because he is like, what is he, like 72 or something? So you're not buying into the idea that potentially Tom Brady made Belichick not the other way around and that Belichick may be a bit overrated? Well, if you want to make the argument, which I think very few people are, that Brady was much more than a quarterback. And what I mean by that is he had a hand in the Patriot way and you know they never muffed punts and they were so solid on special teams and defense and they didn't get penalized, they didn't make mistakes. Like, 
okay, I, I don't know. I wasn't in the locker room. But if you just treat Brady as a quarterback, uh, and I've said before, I don't know if I've ever laid out the full case, that you know Brady's certainly not the greatest of all time and wasn't really ever the best in the league. Um, that no, I don't think that Brady made Belichick. I mean, he, what, but Belichick was fourteen and six during non Super Bowl years for New England, like during Brady's peak prime. You know, if you if you assume that the first three Super Bowls when Brady was a, you know, they weren't putting up much offense in those early years, say through two thousand five, two thousand six, then Brady, I don't know when he's from twenty six to thirty six is most people's prime. I would argue that Brady really never fell off at all. But during those 10 years, Brady gets hurt in, I believe, 2008. They go 11-5 and without him. Then he's suspended several years later, probably like towards, I don't know, what was it, 2016-ish, 17, like around those years, kind of the back end of what would be most quarterbacks' prime. He has the whole deflate gate thing happen, and they go three and one with uh, so the eleven five was with Matt Castle, and three and one was with Jacoby Brissett and uh, and Jimmy G. Uh, it, both those guys before they were ever starting quarterbacks, but maybe you could argue they were decent backups. So why am I to think that Brady made Belichick? Like th- those teams were very good outside of him. Those defenses were consistently top five, top ten. Special teams were always great. Like it wasn't a a quarterback dependent thing when we saw a lot of the other best quarterbacks in the league go out Rodgers, Michael Vick, Peyton Manning. Those teams fell off cliffs, right? Without those guys. And you look at a lot of like the Packer offenses, like they would score more than New England and Rodgers' numbers were better. Like that's a whole, I guess that's a topic for another day. But yes, you look at the post Brady years in New England and they have been pretty. I think they made the playoffs once. But they, it was also heading that way. Fair enough. So, so all of that to say, <laughs> you do not think that, that Belichick is washed. I got a whole Brady thing. I don't think that Belichick is washed. I think that they were heading that way. I think he drafted very poorly, and especially at the quarterback position. And you know, I wouldn't let him be like the GM of whatever team. Okay, so safe to say, Belichick, the coach, is not washed. Perhaps Belichick, the GM, is not what he once was and maybe shouldn't be given that full power. But I don't know if he'll want it at his age and whatever. Like, but I think you, so anyway, the situation, if I were him, I'd want to go to is the chargers. They have a lot of really good players. They got a good quarterback. Uh, That one seems to be the people scratch their heads why they can't be more successful. And they need a little bit of a, you know, the, the Patriot way kicking the, kicking the ass. In order to yeah, see, I, I had this debate this morning, and I'm not sure which side. I, I started on the same side as you, and think I got swung a little bit. I just think that the Chargers might be on the wrong side of a title window in which they never competed for a title. You have Keenan Allen on the wrong side of 32, I think. I I'd say Mac is aging. Mike Williams can't stay healthy and is probably going. They missed on Quentin Johnston. Eckler had his worst season in years. Running backs are relevant. Keep going. Yeah, their offensive line does seem to be trending the right direction. They have added some youth there. Um, Slater's great. Derwin James can't stay healthy, and when he does, might be a bit overrated and definitely overpaid. 
I just think that they may have had their peak amount of talent this year or last year, and things might not be looking you might up. Might be right, but yeah, the 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 biggest and most important piece in a Super Bowl equation is the quarterback, and that's the one place that he could realistically land that has that part figured out. Yeah, um, I just feel like the Chargers I think always some would say, and then they wouldn't with him. But yeah, right. I'd say I, the only other one that makes a lot of sense to me where he could compete right away and everything behind the scenes just seems to make sense. A couple of old guys that are huge NFL names getting together would be if the Cowboys have an early oh my God. exit from I mean, the playoffs. That would, be, that, that would be terrific. I think Belichick's looking, and yeah, I'm sneaking more Brady talking to this. He's looking for his Tampa, right? What's the situation with a really good young team that was – you know, eight and eight, but their quarterback threw 30 interceptions and they have cap to bring in Antonio Brown and Gronk and they have two best, two elite receivers already. Like, where's, where's my Tampa? Who, by the way, Tampa did make the playoffs this year in the first post Brady year uh, after not making it last year. But yeah, so I, I mean, Dallas would be fantastic. I just, you know, I, I wonder that I still kind of lean the Chargers of the places available. Like, he's not going to Tennessee. Um, but, but where's the place just like a little kick in the butt, you know, improve a few things here and there away from getting them. Um, should we move on to the next, uh, wheel of sports topic or did you want to talk about any other coaches? I think I'll do one last one. I don't think Hank listed 45 coaches here. I don't think I'm going to ask you where you think Ben Johnson, no, the you, Lions you offensive go coordinator go is yeah. going to go. I know yeah, you got that one. <laughs> I think I'll just ask about Harbaugh and where you think he might land. Um, I saw today Action posted some odds of where he might land. Uh, the Chargers were plus 140. The Commanders were plus 600. And going back to Michigan was plus 600. My immediate thought was what? plus 600 to go back to Michigan feels like some pretty good value. Yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody's, nobody's taking that bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just uh, I just sent it to the group for you. Really um, but where where do you see him landing? Sounds like you think there's a good chance he's back in Michigan. Well, I think that he's more more likely than you know one in seven or whatever. But I think that the Chargers make a lot of sense. I mean, everyone would want Harbaugh. Harbaugh's got a much different timeline than like a Belichick does. Like, so I think that mm -hmm. you know everyone would want him. Um, probably even over Belichick just because of the age. Uh, and Harbaugh has had really success everywhere he's gone. Honestly, good for him. Just feel like, you know, just three years ago, he was taking a huge salary cut just to stay at Michigan and all this stuff. And now, like, the king of the world. So I don't know who wouldn't want him. And the Chargers are probably the best option out there. But maybe they'd prefer Belichick. Uh, but, you know, I think they'll have a coaching improvement either way this year. Okay, perfect. Coming off of Harbaugh, we'll go right into the end of the college football season and put a bow on it. TPG, give me your biggest takeaway from the college football season this year. We started with Coach Prime. We ended with Coach Harbaugh. Maybe um, you started with Coach Prime. It was the last year of the Pac-12. I'm just I'm talking national narratives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We started with Prime. We ended with Harbaugh. It was the year of Pac-12 dominance in their final year. It was the year that S the SEC seemed to kind of lose their grip a little bit on control of the college football landscape. 
those are just some big headlines. What what do you think defined the 2023 college football season? It's kind of a beautiful thing. Uh, it's the start of parity in college football. I mean, really since 2001 or something, like it's been very predictable who would end up in the national title game. It's been predictable like who might win it, who the best teams were. And it's only become increasingly so up until honestly this year where, and we are coming off a year where TCU made the national championship game, but Michigan and Washington in the final, the SEC, like you said, I mean, a lot of those best teams looked kind of whatever the the top recruiting rankings didn't seem to matter that much. Like this is a stark contrast from what we've seen where we got Alabama Clemson, what three out of four years or maybe three times in a row where we got, Georgia was felt inevitable and Bama felt inevitable and Ohio State. Like, I know that Michigan has done very well the last couple of years, but their, their team composite in recruiting was number 14. Washington was lower than that. So I think that Portal, NIL, uh, which frankly don't really describe the Michigan situation, like hats off to them for, for being this good, has really – Spread out the talent. Joel Klatt was talking about that, who I, I'm not, normally not a big fan of, but I, you know, I thought he did a good job uh, of just talent starting to not separate because you look at the recruiting rankings, it's still very high. But it's a lot of kind of what I predicted with the portal is Georgia is not taking a ton of portal kids because they're building through recruiting. But let's say a team like Ole Miss does get to take a bunch of portal teams because they're a really good option for, and they have spots because they don't necessarily recruit at that level and it creates a much more level playing field. So that is something I think will continue going forward. The 12 team playoff, you're going to see more teams getting recognized. Uh, I think the conference realignments, obviously the elephant in the room. Uh, You were saying this before on the call, or maybe Hank was that we're just moving towards the NFL model of there's going to be two conferences that are, Legit, legit, right? That, and that will clearly be the Big Ten and the SEC. I think that going forward, I think the, the top ACC teams will, you know, the Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, whatever, like they'll find homes. And ultimately, there will be divisions in those conferences. And it's just going to look a lot more like the NFL. But the, the one really cool thing that will look like the NFL that college football has missed for basically ever. Have you seen these schedules for next year? They're awesome. And if with 12 teams in the playoff, we're going to have a lot more of teams not being afraid to schedule these big out-of-conference games. In fact, they're going to enjoy them because the money that they bring and the eyeballs they bring to the program and one loss doesn't kick you out anymore. So, I mean, next year, look at Florida's schedule. They play Miami and Florida State and UCF at a conference, and then they play a full SEC schedule with Georgia, LSU, Texas. Like, it is Ole Miss. It's crazy. So, you know, uh, Texas and Michigan are playing at a conference and then they got to go play full schedules that now include in the Big Ten, you know, Washington and USC and Texas is in the SEC with now Oklahoma and Bama and Georgia. Like having these conferences and out-of-conference games, college football, I think, is about to be better than ever. And I'm really excited for it. And I also think that as we have more teams that can win and Michigan, Washington being the final and Michigan being the champ without, you know, top classes and stuff like that, 
without a crazy innovative head coach, like without a crazy good quarterback, like there was nothing, there's almost no precedent for it in recent history because the Clemson teams that didn't quite recruit at the top, they still had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so anyway, I, I think that we're going to look at so many teams that feel like they have a shot, especially at making a 12-team playoff. We're going to see awesome schedules, big games every week. Like I think it's going to be, I think we're about to usher in to like the best college football time period ever. And I know that it's almost the opposite of the sentiment out there because people don't like the whatever transfer portal NIL stuff. But like I think that and the 12-team playoff, like it's it's going to create this really cool thing. And the conference is like I'm really excited for college football, and I think that Michigan winning creates a ton of hope for the Missouris, the Notre Dames, the Penn States, the Tennessees, the Oklahoma, like the, the not super favorites, but that next class of teams that they can go on and win a national championship. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's complaining with a little bit more parody. And now with the college football playoff opening up a little bit, hopefully we'll see a few unexpected playoff outcomes uh, where you get an eight seed, a nine seed, making a little bit of a run. And I think that the transfer portal kind of just makes it so more teams will find themselves in that role of underdog, able to take down some of these top programs and excited to see if it starts to take on more of a feel like March Madness, where you start to think anything's possible or if it continues to be dominated by blue bloods regardless of the fact that you can see a liberty sneak in to one of the lower spots and try and make some noise yeah i think that the nature of this whole thing is that it's really good for like those schools that i mentioned but once you get past like the 30th team it's really bad because you're losing your top guys to those types of teams and you don't have the money for nil and stuff and maybe you're not even in one of those conferences so, yeah, I think like it's it'll be tough to have a March Madness vibe, but it'll be a March Madness of like if you're one of the 20 to 30 teams that can win a national title, like anyone could win it, if that makes sense. It those the it, it'll where basketball doesn't have the haves and have nots, it, it just doesn't. Football will still have that, but there are way more haves than there were 2 years ago. Yeah. Starting to look forward a little bit. Let's go into next year. Uh, we've heard what you thought about the 2023 season. 24 welcomes realignment. We've been talking about it for years. We've been talking about it all this season, but we really kick it off next season. Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC and the Pac-12 goes bye-bye. So what do you think, if you have any early predictions, any early themes that you think we might see throughout college football next year, what are you expecting to see? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any specific predictions. Uh, I think a lot of parity, a lot of good games. I'm really excited for the win totals to come out. I know it's a little early given the national championship was like yesterday. But I think that with these kind of unique schedules and roster overhauls, there'll be a lot of opportunity this coming year as win totals come out and stuff like that. So uh, I'm sad to see college football go, but I'm excited uh, in the place it'll be. And like, I think there's a lot of madness to come. I mean, Arch Manning, is he really going to sit another year, the number one overall player? Like he might transfer after the spring, like stuff like that. Like I think, I think there's a lot of madness to come uh, with rosters, with teams, with schedules. So I'm just excited to, to bet on it and sort of follow along. I think the offseason will be fun. Yeah, I, I 
think the offseason will be somewhat fun, but I, like you, am excited. And when football goes away, everything just seems to be a little bit duller. <laughs> so uh, we've got we've still got the playoffs coming. So uh, no complaints yet, but already somewhat excited for uh, next college football season. And I think that leads us nicely into our Grinds My Gears for the day. It's our last segment, so tell me, what's got you fired up this week? You know what really grinds my gears? Well, I, once I started talking about Brady, you know, the juices started to flow, but we're, we're, we're going to leave that alone. Oh, yeah, I had, to, I had to slow you down. I saw, I saw Steve I know. coming out of no, your ears. Grinds My Gears is you slowing me down. I was just getting started. <laughs> uh, no, so what grinds my gears, honestly, so... For those who don't know, Peacock, a streaming service, is the only way you can watch the Chiefs-Dolphins game, at least illegally. And everyone is losing their minds. In fact, Hank was telling me that I should it should grind my gears that this is streaming on Peacock. I think that the streaming services are, are underpriced. I think that people complaining about paying for a streaming service are being somewhat silly. Peacock's $6 a month. How much, you know how much money it costs to go to the movies? Like, you're getting three hours of entertainment for $5.99, and then you get The Office for a whole month, right? Like, it, to me, it's kind of like, what are we doing here? People, people, like, cab to a bar that costs three times, four times what, <laughs> what Peacock is going to cost. But the minute, and, and the amount of movies and shows that are on all of these streaming services for very little money, like I have the whole world at my fingertips on Netflix or Prime or any one of these streaming services. For the, <laughs> the whole world at for, my fingertips. For, for the cost of one freaking blockbuster movie back in the day, right? If you adjust it for today's this pricing. Is, this, is such, this is such a good take. <laughs> I mean, for so many reasons. One, you're right. Two, you reference blockbuster movies and how much it costs, the cab costs to the bar, not even the drinks at the bar. And... Three, just the breaking down the per minute value of minutes watched uh, for a trip to the movies versus a football game plus the free belt. This is just such a TPG take. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, I appreciate it because I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm like, you're telling it's a me very qualitative, that the world is It's a very qualitative <laughs> approach. <laughs> Nobody complains that they have to pay to go to the movie for four times the price, but you get the office and shows and movies for an entire month for $6 and you get three hours of watching an NFL playoff game and you're complaining that it's, it's $6, like with password sharing and everything, like I think these streaming services are crazy cheap for all you get. Nobody used to complain, like I said, when you had to go pay $15, $20 at Blockbuster, but now they just expect to have every movie or show that they could ever want at a... And, and a full NFL playoff game for like what, twenty cents per hour watched? Like I don't know. I think, I think the whole thing is crazy. I I am right there with you. I didn't break it down in my own head by minute watched, um, but I ha I am a big Office fan and have been watching a lot of Office recently. So I guess Enjoy I'm getting it. a lot of value out of this Chiefs. And I'm a big Chiefs fan, so I think that I'll be getting a lot more. Uh, a lot more, but what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of more value out of uh, my watching experience than the average viewer. Right. I mean, if so, you're a Chiefs or Dolphins um, fan, like you, you kind of have to pay for it. But if you were going to sit down and watch it and now you're like, if you're doing this like silent boycott, 
because it's six dollars for the the game like think about how much you pay for a lot of different entertainment things in your life and look if you never do any of that and you know i don't mean to like downplay anyone that's on like a very strict budget but i mean what does cable cost <laughs> whatever well, Whatever. I'll do even, I'll do uh, one quick I'll do yeah, one quick aside uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, talking about value, I'll give our listeners a little extra value oh, no. from this episode. Not, I assume everyone listening will have heard this uh, this news by the time they hear the podcast, but they'll get your reaction for free. I'm seeing that Pete Carroll is expected to be let go by the Seahawks. Uh, any quick reactions and any Wait, actually, uh, any thoughts on that? Actually? Yep. No way. This is all. This is you're getting this live. They're getting this live. I'm, what I'm do you looking think? this up. I don't believe you. Why would I lie I to you? Know. Why in the world do they fire Pete Carroll? They're Pete Carroll is expected to be out as Seahawks head coach. He could still remain in the organization, but not as the head. Okay. Coach. Well, my first reaction is he literally might be the like best coach in the NFL. Like I, I don't know. He won multiple. No, I guess he just won the one Super Bowl. Uh, but he had a you know historically good team, went to multiple Super Bowls, won one. And look what happened to Russell Wilson when he left. Look at what happened with Geno Smith before he got there versus when he got there. Like for this Seahawks team to be good every year, I mean, for Geno Smith to be considered good now, like who wouldn't want Pete Carroll coaching their quarterback? Who wouldn't want Pete Carroll coaching, like we're t- we talked about Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel went five and twelve or whatever, six and eleven. I don't know what their record was, but it was below seven and a half wins. I'll tell you that because we had a bet on that. Who wouldn't want Pete Carroll? Why would Seattle not want him? Like, how many people are, would you have told three years ago that Seattle would be a playoff team or a borderline playoff team for multiple years with Geno Smith? My goodness. Listen, I think he's I think he's a great coach. I think the first thought and what everyone's going to be saying in the Twitter comments is back to USC, back to USC. Um, no, well, Lincoln Riley's there. Yeah, but I... I also, Pete Carroll I think does that, not want to go recruiting at his age. Yeah. Like, I, I would think that maybe at his age, he doesn't want to be coaching is what that makes this seem. Like if there's rumors that he might stay within the organization... Oh, well, this, this isn't is his a, decision. Okay, fine, whatever. But... If he was let go, I think that's insanity. Yeah, well, by the time this comes out uh, to early tomorrow, I'm sure that this news will be made a little bit yeah, more, I'm sure we'll know more sense. By, I'm sure a little bit more will have come out by then. But that was, uh, that was fun getting the disbelief in Man, your there voice. There are some big hitters I can't believe the NFL coaching world, huh? I can't, I can't believe you had to question me <laughs> and you went to look it up like I'd be messing with you. I don't know. I think he's like, in my head, he was like a top five coach. Maybe I don't know anything other than the fact that Brady was overrated. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised by this one. And I'm sorry to doubt you on your birthday. That's all right. Um, all right. Happy birthday to me. Yeah, and right. that's a solid way to end it. This was a fun show. Thanks for your time, TPG. Have a great birthday. Thanks for listening. This was a fun episode. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one.